Welcome back to the Movie Bible Podcast. This week, you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Brennan as we talk about the opening weekend for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, and Zombieland 2 Double Tap. Remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebiblereviews.com. All right, so breaking down this weekend's top five, we've got Maleficent, Mistress of Evil at the number one spot with 36 million, followed by Joker in the number two spot with 29.2 million. Zombieland Double Tap opens up at number three with 26.7 million, followed by The Addams Family at number four with 16 million, and Gemini Man rounds out the top five with 8.5 million. So Maleficent, I did not expect it to be the leader of the weekend. Um, but it is, it is. <laughs> it's in the number one spot. It's pulling pretty significantly below the first Maleficent. So that opened in 2014 with about a $70 million opening weekend. Um, but Maleficent 2, Mr. Evil is only at 36. Um, it's currently sitting at about 153 million worldwide. So it does have a strong worldwide presence, but domestically it, it's kind of off to a struggle. Yeah, you know what? Um, I think that this film's going to have to really be um, one that makes its money overseas. I don't think this is a film that is going to do just crazy uh, big numbers here domestically. I think that the first film, I mean, it went on to gross uh, $241 million domestically. Um, I don't think this movie, I mean, obviously with this first weekend of $36 million, it's not coming close to that. Um, so, I mean, that's just the way it is with this. I don't think anyone is really asking for this sequel. Um, the first film made $69 million first weekend. This one, $36 million first weekend. That's a massive drop-off. But um, we were talking about this before uh, we came on. A lot of times you see sequels perform well overseas, um, even if they don't do that well domestically, because... I think worldwide people kind of latch on to these things a, li a little bit after they've come out. Um, and I think that might be the case here with Maleficent. You might have people that overseas that didn't really have a strong connection to the first film, kind of learn about the first film and then be excited for this one. But here domestically, I don't know. I think it's a, just a completely different story. I think that people here were just not, not that uh, interested in a sequel. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we talk about this when we come to, all of the Disney live action reimaginings, but Maleficent is a movie that nobody really talks about. I mean, it grossed a little, <laughs> a, a, a pretty big amount at about 750, almost $760 million worldwide, um, which is uh, just really impressive for a movie that I, I, I don't know anybody that really saw this movie. Um, it doesn't have much of a legacy. And I mean, we're five years out getting a sequel, which is normally a little bit, testy with this kind of stuff i mean you look at alice in wonderland uh we got a sequel to that six years later and that was one of the biggest flops ever um <laughs> compared to the original movie which grossed over a billion dollars uh, but we just we seem to be in kind of a pattern with all these disney remakes and i think we're seeing just how little weight the sequels really hold because i mean people go to these movies because they want to relive the movie they already know and when you present a sequel you're you're giving them more story they never really asked for to begin with. And I think Maleficent is really showing signs of that. I don't think it's going to have very strong legs, and I don't think it's going to come anywhere near the $750 million gross of the original. I, I definitely agree with you there. I think that this movie is going to do better financially than uh, the Alice in Wonderland sequel, which came way too late. Um, but I don't think it's going to be 
pulling massive numbers at all. But uh, we'll see how it progresses. But I think that we can we can call this one dead in the water after its first weekend. I mean, it's really going to need the overseas totals to um, boost it because domestically here, I think that people are kind of they they didn't want this. They didn't ask for this at all. Yeah, and I think the the benefit that this will have is it does it doesn't have great reviews but it has better reviews than Alice through the looking glass did and Alice through the looking glass when it came out was just panned universally um like it, it was in the single digit rotten tomato scores so <laughs> maleficent is at least sitting at a little bit more favorability um, than Alice through the looking glass was and is already grossed about half of what that movie did in its opening weekend. So Maleficent isn't going to be as big of a flop, but it's certainly not going to be much of a success. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's that's just the state of these Disney remakes. Um, You know, we're getting the Jungle Book 2 here pretty soon. Um, We're getting an Aladdin 2. I pretty sure we'll get a lion king too um and so i i think it'll be interesting to see some of these really successful and, and really viewed movies get sequels and see if this pattern really continues to repeat itself i think that it's a it's a huge mistake i mean even movies like that i mean aladdin and uh, lion king especially blew up this year uh worldwide made so much money but i don't think those sequels are going to have any weight whatsoever they'll be performing much better than uh, alice and uh, wonderland sequel and probably better than this maleficent sequel but i don't see them being that profitable i mean but the, but the sad thing is they are going to make hundreds of millions of dollars people are going to have their eyes on them um which which i think is a little bit of a shame but that's just because of how um large the first film's um, performed at the box office like the lion king is up over 1.65 billion dollars worldwide i mean that's that's just incredible and insane so i think that a sequel to that will gross upwards of 500 600 maybe 700 million but to uh but to what what end goal i mean what are they trying to get out here and of course it's money it's money and that's that's really all it is with these uh types of films and especially kind of sequeling these types of films but um, it's kind of a shame, especially when most of the movies don't even turn out to be that good in the first place. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't see much of a legacy for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. I, I don't foresee it being in the top five for very long, especially, um, and, you know, we have a bit of a lighter week in terms of uh, universally appealing movies or movies that I think will be successful. Um, but we are starting to get into some more successful and more crowded uh, movie territory as we finish out the Halloween season and and get into Thanksgiving and Christmas and just the latter end of the year. And so I I don't think Maleficent is going to stick around very long. I can definitely agree with you there. And so with that, we will move on to Joker, which is continuing to perform just really strong. So it is sitting at $737 million worldwide. That's $247 million domestic, and it has passed the entire run gross of Justice League, which is just crazy. Um, I mean, this is a Joker movie that's rated R that is pretty experimental just in terms of the superhero genre, and it has defeated the justice league um like it it doesn't get any weirder than that um yeah i mean i think that is just a sign of the appetite of the uh consumer and and the 
people that go to the movies. I think Justice League, um, obviously there were a lot of issues behind the production of that film, and I'm not talking about the actual quality of the film itself here. I'll just talk about kind of some of the uh, things leading up to it because you had a lot of issues behind the scenes. Um, fans weren't too sure what they were getting into, and it just felt so rushed. Um, and maybe it was a bad time to release the film too in uh, November, I believe it was, of 2017. Um, I don't know. I think that you look at this Joker film, I think people are excited to see something different within this realm. I think a lot of fans of the uh, Nolan franchise were excited to see uh, the Nolan Batman franchise were excited to see kind of that dark grittiness come back to DC in a way that was is, is promised to actually show off that dark grittiness. Um, and I don't know. I think that just the climate of what we wanted and what, what the viewer wanted was absolutely ripe for a Joker film. And I think that we're seeing that, but I didn't expect it to do this. Well, I thought where it is now is where it would probably finish, but no, it's still going to be going strong. And I think the uh, race to $1 billion is definitely on for this film. Yeah, I think it is definitely a contender and it's, it's really one of the most profitable superhero movies that we've seen. Um, so when you're, especially when you're looking at, you know, the other kind of, dark gritty superheroes of the past few years you've got venom last year and then you've got logan and each of those movies had about twice the budget of joker and joker is performing pretty much on pace actually a little bit above pace uh, of both of those movies so this is going to be i mean it, it already is just wildly successful wildly profitable and i think dc is going to go ahead and, and give us more like it which you know could be a good thing or could be a bad thing but it's a profitable move for them right now. I think it's a great thing. Uh, personally, I, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing that kind of side of things and more of what we're getting here. I think no matter what you think of, uh, of Joker and, and just the quality of the film in general, I think it'll be nice to get um, just, just something different and uh, some, some good filmmakers behind the camera, just exploring different things within uh, the comic book uh, film world, because there's so much to do. And I think that we've only really hit the surface level. I think there's a lot more they can do and uh, that'll be interesting one thing i'm looking out for though with uh joker and kind of some milestones it can reach is the domestic r-rated record um we know that deadpool deadpool 2 it and uh, uh those three films are kind of the top three when it comes to worldwide r-rated films um but domestically the passion of the christ has held on to uh, the r-rated domestic gross record since it came out in 2004 it sits at 370.7 million domestically joker now at 247 million that's over 100 million behind it i don't know if it'll have the legs to get there um but i think it'll be neat to look out for for that yeah it's definitely something to keep an eye on and i mean just the fact that it's made it this far is pretty impressive um because i mean again it, it has a lot stacked against it it's a superhero movie but it is not like any other superhero movie really it's rated r um, but I think it's really just a testament to the character and just even Batman and that world and all that lore. And just, I mean, this character's about 80 years old almost. And um, you definitely see the fan base showing up for that. You see just how many people can admire or relate or are drawn to this character, however, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And I think that he, I think that this shows that he's, he's probably the most popular um villain in in terms of modern cinema and in in terms of uh kind of the comic book world dc or marvel i think joker's just that infamous villain and i think that there's 
just what we've seen from this character um, over the years, Jack Nicholson, um, Mark Hamill in the animated series, Heath Ledger, um, the controversy with Jared Leto, all that stuff. I think that Joker has just become such a staple character in uh, American cinema and in just worldwide cinema that I think that it was just kind of the perfect time to have this film come out um, just to kind of capitalize on that. And I think that we're kind of seeing the the, the um, product of that at the box office. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, and we've talked about it before, we'll talk about it again, uh, but we're going to be seeing Joker in, in the top five for a while. You're going to be talking about it for quite a while. Um, it, it's it's not going anywhere. Mm-mm, not at all. And so with that, we'll move on to Zombieland Double Tap, which opened up in the number three spot at $26.7 million. Um, so this is pretty on par with the original Zombieland, uh, which opened 10 years ago and opened to very similar numbers, uh, was sitting around $24 million, uh, when it when it opened. And so this is, I mean, pretty much on track. The, the main difference we're going to look at with, with this movie is the budget. So it has almost twice the budget that the original had sitting at about a 42 million dollar budget so it does have a little bit more legwork to become profitable um, and it'll be interesting to see what the legs of this look like because zombie land had decent legs um, you know it, it didn't have a built-in following um, nobody really knew where it was going to land financially when it debuted back in 2009 but there's going to be a lot more top heaviness to double tap just because there is a following this is a franchise now and you have a lot of people that have been anticipating this but it's off to a pretty solid start you know it doesn't need huge numbers to be profitable and i mean zombie movies this kind of horror comedy never really pulls in just a huge uh, billion dollar level amount Um, but it is off to a strong start sitting at about 32 million dollars worldwide yeah, and I think that I think um, we're seeing that the the budget's not super high. It's it's a little over forty million dollars, and the film uh, still has a, a lot more markets to come out in. I think that it's going to be seeing more of its um, expansion overseas next week, and then even deep into November. So, I mean, I think it'll profit decently overseas. Um, domestically, as you said, it'll probably be very top heavy. I definitely agree with that. But overseas, I think that we're going to see a little bit of a better gross. I think that this might play into what I was touching on earlier with Maleficent, kind of just a film that comes out in 2009. It kind of becomes sort of that, uh, not more of a cult classic, but this movie definitely, the original Zombieland has a cult following and a big following. I think that has probably over the last decade spread overseas. And I think that we're going to see this movie perform overseas a little bit than the first one domestically uh, maybe on par but i think that makes for a uh, profitable uh, year in zombie land double tap yep and um i mean zombie land i i love this movie i'm gonna be honest um and i i mean I, my review will be out on the site in a few days uh, shameless plug but I think Zombieland also has not the fact that not just the fact that it's it's been pretty well received by audiences. Um, I'm not the only one that loved it, um, but it does have another two weeks almost before Halloween. And so it does have a little bit of a better stretch out of it just in terms of its legs. It really only has one other horror movie uh, coming out as competition here next week. And that's Countdown, which I don't think is going to be very big anyways. And so Zombieland does have a little while to to keep moving forward with the momentum it has right now. 
For sure. I definitely agree with that. I think that Countdown, which is coming out next week, is, is a movie that I've only seen. I think I've seen a, one trailer for it. Um, it doesn't really have too much buzz, and that's kind of odd. I think usually every year you see that big staple horror movie come out or, or even just kind of a moderate to low-budgeted um, uh, studio horror film come out and, and catch fire just because it is October and it's Halloween season. But we're not really seeing that um, this year. So I think Zombieland 2 will definitely benefit from that and we'll definitely see um, a lot of uh, pretty good numbers come in over the next two weeks. Yeah, and I mean, the, the real test for it will be how well it performs coming out of October and then what its legs look like when it's finally on home video because the original Zombieland uh, did pretty well with home release. And, and I mean, that's part of why it has such its classic status like it does now. Yeah. And do you think that this is going to, I don't know for sure about where Sony's connected to in terms of streaming, but do you think this will land on like a, some major players uh, in terms of streaming services? Um, I'm not sure because the original Zombieland was on Netflix for quite a while. And this was, you know, right when Netflix was switching over to streaming. Um, so this came at a really opportune time for this because, you know, suddenly it was really easy to access and it was one of those things that you didn't necessarily have to go out and consciously look for. You could take it more of a chance on it just because that's kind of what the streaming platform is there for. And so it'll be interesting um, to see how this one works because, you know, it's not coming at the beginning of streaming. It's coming in an era where we're having, you know, 10 different streaming services that are all popping up here within the next year. And so it'll be, um, it'll be unique. I'd, I'd have to say on, on how it ends up streaming. Yeah. That's something that I think that we'll definitely look out for, for sure. And I'm, I'm pretty interested in seeing kind of how that uh, progresses and in, in kind of this emerging world of, of multiple streaming services, it's going to get pretty crowded. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, <laughs> but I really enjoyed this one, I think it it captures a lot of the magic of the first one. And I mean, a lot of that is just the cast and the fact that this movie is stupid. Um, like, <laughs> it, that's, that's a huge draw to it. Like, it, it doesn't take itself seriously. It delivers a nice little little human family story, gives you, you know, a fair share of zombie carnage, gives you some good jokes, and then gets you out of there within an hour and a half. And I think that's what made the first one really successful. And I think they brought that same energy back without really overstaying their welcome in the second one. I think waiting 10 years actually ended up being a good idea because you can really look at it from a different perspective, do some new stuff with it. Um, you can kind of use the cast and how much they've grown or changed. I mean, you know, with Woody Harrelson, it's not as noticeable, but with the other three, you can you can definitely see like actual physical growth and just how different they are than when we saw them the first time. And I think that really lends itself to just how much fun this movie was. Um, this is probably my favorite popcorn movie of the year next to Endgame. Um, like it, it's just fun. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it yet, but I mean, I, I just watched uh, the first film like two days ago. So for me, it'll be really neat to see that just kind of so close together. I'm probably going in a few days to see this one and your praise is definitely uh, pretty exciting to hear. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And my, <laughs> my only gripe with this movie um, isn't really a gripe at all, but um so there's a scene in the movie and it's it's in the trailers where Tallahassee is dressed up in this Elvis suit and he gives this little anecdote about um you know his this Elvis impersonation he did in high school 
which is fine. Like it's a fun moment in the movie, but it really bothered me because I listened to him on a podcast earlier that day. And that was a story that actually happened to Woody Harrelson. And so I had to sit through it twice and I was like, all right, what's up with this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's, it's a unique point of the movie. I like that they drew that from the actual actor, but listening to it and then hearing it again, like an hour later was just kind of deja vu and annoying, but that's not really a gripe. It's just a thing. Just a personal experience there. Uh, which, again, I think is part of why these work. I mean, the actors know what movie they're in. They're having fun with it. They're bringing themselves to the role and just being kind of over the top and goofy. And I think that's that's why the first one worked really well. I think that's why this one works really well. Yeah, I think that definitely is what makes this franchise re- really work. And I'm I'm really happy that you're saying that that's what they continue with in this second film. I was nervous after seeing that first trailer, but uh, that's good reassurance. Yeah. And so with that, we will move on from Zombieland and go to the number four spot, which was the Adams Family reboot. And that pulled in a little over 16 million this weekend. Um, it did open in about 95 additional theaters. Um, so it, it does have a little bit more range just in terms of where it's playing. Um, but it, I mean, it's, 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 it's an odd performance because it, it's working. Um, it's, it's making money, but it's not really flopping not really being a super success um it's just making a a decent haul it's sitting at 56 almost 57 million dollars domestically and it's it's a good win for united artists releasing and we talked about that last week but it's not a a superb win kind of like toy story uh four that we saw earlier this year no and i think where things will get interesting is next week and uh, the week after and then November especially because uh, you look at where this film has been released so far uh, um, it, it's really only uh, here in the United States and Canada and uh, yeah that's actually it that's, it's only been out in, in domestic theaters so far um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how, see how this film does overseas it's going to be opening up to a ton of markets next week, a ton more the week after that, and then a few throughout November and December. So, I mean, if it's already at $56 million domestically, uh, the movie is sitting on a budget of $40 million. I mean, I think that the sky might be the limit, depending on how this franchise performs overseas. I don't know kind of what the what the connection is to this franchise overseas, because I know it's a, it's a very established franchise, but I'm not too well-versed in it. Um, uh, but, I mean, I think that they are making their money, as you said, not a huge hit, but with a budget of $40 million, I think that they're on pace to um, really see some great returns. Yeah, I mean, it's not a super success, but it's not a loss, which is pretty good for United Artists releasing right now. And, I mean, it's, it's a, a pretty good win for the month, you know, especially last week when we had uh, the movie we're going to talk about next, which has just been a tremendous flop so far. It is a nice, solid, reliable, performing movie. And so with that, we will go to the complete opposite of a solidly performing movie. (laughs) And that (laughs) is Gemini Man, which had a 58% drop in its second week, which is not good, especially considering how low it debuted last week. Uh, So it only pulled in 8.5 million last week, seeing about 118 million worldwide, which in its second week, they haven't even reach the production budget in terms of gross which is disaster zone um, this movie is is a flop and it's it's only going to get worse yeah 
This isn't this isn't a great sign for Gemini Man. I mean, Ang Lee is a director who has had great successes throughout his career, several Oscar nominations, foreign films, um, uh, domestic movies here. I mean, he's had a few misses along the way, um, but this is probably the biggest miss of them all, I think. Um, I, I saw the film. I don't know if you've seen it. I have not. Okay. Um, you know what? It's Personally, I really like the premise and i think that it could have been done a lot better it's just the screenplay the 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 composition everything in this film really drags it just everything in this film really drags itself down the screenplay just it just bogs down the entire film the dialogue is some of the worst i think i've heard all year i mean i i saw it uh in kind of the way that angley intended it to be seen in which is the high frame rate um it was a 3D, it was 3D converted high frame rate, and I believe it was 120 frames per second or something like that. And it was really, really uh, engaging and really interesting. And I think from a visual standpoint, this movie has some going for it. Um, and I will give it that. And I think 3D was was really good. Um, but story wise, I'm just the scope of of what the character is dealing with in the film. I mean, like he's being hunted by himself. You know, <laughs> um, it could have been dealt with in a much better way um it, it's really nonchalant and i i don't know it, it's really disappointing and uh 118 million worldwide after its second weekend is, is not great and i think we're just going to see this film continue to tank yeah this is definitely going down as one of the biggest misses of the year um it i mean it kind of sucks for will smith because <laughs> he said quite a few big flops this decade and um i mean yeah it's just it's a very high concept movie that just missed most of its marks and is really suffering at the box office because of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see. Yeah. You hate to see it, but uh, <laughs> you also don't want to encourage it. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at with Gemini man. I, I don't think we'll be talking about it again. <laughs> nope. And uh, so with that, we'll move on to some much more limited releases, uh, much smaller releases this week, uh, which is The Lighthouse and Jojo Rabbit. So these are two indie releases that have started in a very limited release. So Jojo Rabbit is only in five theaters uh, in L.A. and New York, and The Lighthouse is in a similar situation in only eight theaters. Um, so they're, they're not pulling great numbers because that's not really the point of right now. Uh, right now, they are just debuting, getting the word out, getting the hype out. And I mean, these both of these movies have been glowingly reviewed to this point. I mean, the hype is definitely out. I mean, look at what they did um, per theater average. Jojo Rabbit, $70,000. The Lighthouse, $52,000. I mean, if you're pulling in, uh, this is The Lighthouse here, $420,000 in your first weekend from just eight theaters. That's pretty remarkable. Jojo Rabbit, five theaters, $350,000 in just five theaters. That is wonderful. And I think that a movie like Jojo Rabbit, especially because it's probably going to be pushed heavily at the Oscars, and it is a Fox Searchlight um, film, so they, they really do have a little bit more of a, of a draw, and uh, they kind of have a little bit more of an in with the theaters. They they usually see their films expand pretty decently. I would expect this movie to um, expand to a great number of theaters, uh, probably not up to 4,000, but uh, definitely upwards of two, maybe three. Um, the Lighthouse, not as much. I think A24 probably won't be putting this thing out super wide, but um, I don't know. I think this is just a really solid start for these films. I'm really looking forward to both of them, and I have my Lighthouse tickets, so I'm, I'm uh, ready for that. 
Yeah, I uh, found out this evening that the White House actually does open up near me this week, so I am pumped. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Jojo Rabbit is going to be a little bit later down the line, but um, equally excited for that. I mean, I love Taika Waititi. He's he's probably my favorite director, um, so I'm excited to see more of his stuff and just see the lighthouse, uh, which is I've heard it's really dark, really weird. Um, I'm going in pretty blind, which with a lot of these smaller movies is always the right move. Um, I'm going into Parasite uh, whenever I go into Parasite in similar fashion, and I cannot wait to see what they do with it. Yeah, it's 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 really exciting. I think it's just kind of that time of year where um, just some of these really unique, different type films come out, and I'm I'm really looking forward to them, and especially these two in particular. I think Jojo Rabbit is uh, coming a little bit more as well it is expanding next uh, week um but in canada i believe next week or the week after is when it will expand to my area so i'm really looking forward to that and i think it's just a sign of what's to come over the next few months yeah we're we're getting into the really interesting part of the year i think so we've got the lighthouse we've got jojo rabbit we've got um knives out coming up we have uncut gems uh we have there's literally dozens more movies I could rattle off, but we're getting into uh, the artsier part of the year, which in my opinion is where you see more just kind of original ideas. You see just more weirdness. You see generally higher quality um, just in terms of kind of <laughs> going to the uh, cinema debate. That's, that's been pretty big recently. You see more of these cinema films and it's, it's one of the most fun parts of the year. For sure. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just so stoked. I mean, that's a debate that I don't know if I, <laughs> I want to get into it right now because <laughs> I think that I don't know. You <laughs> you heard a little bit about um, today. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola actually uh, backed up Martin Scorsese uh, and his comments. You heard about that? Yeah, I did hear about that, um, and I saw most of like James Gunn responded to it, and it's just kind of spiraled out and become an even bigger deal. <laughs> yeah, and I think that what you're seeing here is. Um, uh, people in the media trying to kind of trying to sort of trap these directors in, in this position. I think that after Scorsese's comments, I think that this is what they want. This is kind of the the clickbait material that they need. So I think that you're going to be seeing uh, this maybe happen more and more. I think that you'll you'll probably be seeing um, kind of people in the media want this type of thing to get out get out because it causes controversy and it, it gets reads um it's kind of it, it sucks I, I, like it's it's not a debate that i think um is is that valid because of just how um, objective everything is in, in this medium but um i think that it's it's pretty much just down to the media and and the way they're kind of treating this and i hope that there aren't that many people in the media that want to keep doing this and keep kind of stirring the pot here but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this continues to uh uh happen yeah and i mean it's a it just kind of took off because you know it came up in a scorsese interview and and now it's just a clickbait thing i mean yeah of course if you ask these elites that are from a much different generation of of, of movies and movie making and just the way they were brought up the movies they watched and the movies they made and you ask them these questions yeah they're they're not going to be on board because it's a completely different ball game um i don't think that invalidates one side of cinema or the other um but i think it's it causes controversy it gets you know websites attention and it gets people talking uh well mudslinging um mm -hmm. but it, it just 
I think it's going to keep happening because people will keep responding. And I think especially just timing it when Joker is coming out and that's already causing just arguments on both sides of the, the Marvel DC aisle. And I, you know, I, I don't think DC fans realize that what Scorsese is saying about Marvel equally applies to DC. Um, but that's just kind of where we're at. It's, it's a controversy. It's, it's a mess. And I think it'll get a little bit messier before it gets cleaned up. Yeah, and I, I hope it doesn't. But I mean, you never know these days, and I, I could definitely see it getting a little bit messier. But I, I, d- I do hope it it kind of solves itself and kind of uh, just kind of moves on. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm actually working on another shameless plug for the website, uh, working on an article about that. So uh, check that out for some more thoughts here in the next couple of days. Yeah, that'll be an interesting read for sure. And um, so with that, we are kind of wrapping up this weekend at the box office. Um, I feel obligated just to remind people listening that if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out, Star Wars tickets do go on sale tonight. So uh, watch out for that. Um, If you're listening to this after the day it comes out, you've probably already missed out on Star Wars tickets. So uh, (laughs) my condolences, but I know I'm pumped for it. I can't wait to talk about that movie. Uh, I can't wait to see that movie and, and just be in the nonsense of star wars ending again um so that's coming up but before that we've got the lineup for next week we've got the lighthouse which will be expanding quite a bit uh domestically as well as the movie countdown the movie black and blue and the current war which is being offered in a director's cut already um even though we haven't seen the the uh, theatrical cut yet um so that's <laughs> an interesting thing to look at uh, we'll be back next week talking about those and remember you can always check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com